Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. And today I am so very delighted to be here with Aparna, a Capricorn sun, Gemini moon, Gemini rising. You may know her from her polarizing portrayal on Netflix hit TV show, Indian Matchmaking. She became an overnight ambassador for women demanding to be heard in their love lives, their workplaces and in every space they occupy. While she did practice law full-time for 10 years, Aparna is currently on sabbatical and working on her first book, She's Unlikable and Other Lies That Bring Women Down, based on the show and from her life experiences. Aparna was born in London, lived in Dubai as a child, and has called Texas home for 25 years. She's an avid traveler over 43 countries and counting, and the co-founder and co-owner and owner of the luxury travel company, My Golden Balloon. It is so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. It's so good to be here. So tell us everything. Take us back. Like, how did you become who you are today with all of the things, all of the verticals, all of the endeavors, all of the ventures, and also all of the wisdom and expertise in matchmaking and women and empowerment? Tell us everything. Yeah. You know, it was all pretty steady for me until 2019 or so. I was living in a very small bubble in Houston, Texas. Um, Houston's not small as a city, but my bubble was. I was a lawyer. I was climbing the ladder. I was in the corporate world. I had a great group of friends. And they were all, you know, doing all the milestones that we love in Texas, which is get married, have your first kid, have your second kid. And it just never happened for me. And it never stuck to me. And it never resonated with me. And so one day I was um, in LA for a date. Um, yeah, sometimes Ooh. I travel for dates. And yeah, yeah, I thought the guy was great. So I, I already had friends out there and we just met for coffee while I was visiting friends. And the date didn't go as planned. He really, I think, liked me and I didn't like him and I was really disappointed. So I was in the LAX airport trying to go home early. I just wanted to get back. I had work the next day and I was on standby. So I had some time to scroll on my phone. Uh, someone on Facebook had written a post. My sister's a casting director in this new show. She's, you know, looking for South Asians who are single, who want to get married. Um, They have to be open to an arranged marriage process and a matchmaker, but it's a way to find love. 
And I was like, well, it's got to be a sign. So I applied right there in the line for United Airlines standby and forgot all about it. A few days later, I got a phone call and they were like, oh, we got your application. I was also applying for like car loans at the time. I was getting a new car and I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. (laughs) And they met the matchmaking show. So there was a little bit of confusion for a hot minute. And then I got it together. I remembered I had applied And casting began with a fury. We were taping by, um, you know, a few months later, the show aired during the pandemic, July of 2020. And within a few months, I realized, you know, this was a moment where I could say goodbye to all the things I know um, and try new waters. And I did. So now I actually live in New York City and I'm um, writing a lot. I'm writing some Hallmark movies right now. We'll see if they ever get developed, but I love writing movies. I'm writing up my first pilot. I finished my first book that's coming out in February. I basically switched careers and I did it uh, on a whim, on some faith. What's that phrase? Find your wings after you jump. I'm doing it. I'm doing it now every day. And um, I've never been happier, honestly. So what was the experience on being on the show like for you? And how did that you know, from what was going on in your life, you know, leading you to go on this date in Los Angeles and then apply for this show. What was the experience of sort of then being watched, having cameras on you and going through that process? The actual taping process, I loved. I enjoyed. I'm such a nerd that it was great to see something so new. These people were creating magic in my living room. There were, you know, a crew, there was mics, cameras, things that as a lawyer in Texas, I don't even see on the street. Like I now will do photo shoots on the street sometimes in New York and the little kids that walk by are so blase, right? In, in cities like New York, in LA, you see shoots all the time. You understand, like, I'd honestly never seen one until it came into my home. And so it was a surreal experience where I was just soaking it all in, enjoying it, you know, trying to feel comfortable in front of a camera. And for me, it was actually pretty easy because you get to know the people so well. And so they're not strangers in your home. They're your friends. Later, I'd realize, you know, maybe people who are in production aren't your friends. But at the time, that's how it felt. And um, I was very lucky to go through the process with in my hometown. You know, the men all came to me on the show um, in my own home with my family. And um, that also gave me a sense of comfort in a way. So did you find love? No, no, I'm still single today. We'll see. I have great hopes. You know, being in a new city is really nice because I feel all of a sudden there's this new fresh energy to me and to my experiences of meeting new people. So I'm really hopeful, but no love yet. (laughs) So what was that experience like for you of going? I mean, did you really have like an open heart, open mind, open, like just like everything you were willing to sort of see wherever it would lead? You know, how do you think the experience was, I guess, unsuccessful, right? Like in that process, like what, where do you think that came from? Well, the matchmaker had a 0% success rate with anyone. So I didn't feel, I didn't feel bad about <laughs> like it. it. I felt... wasn't great. <laughs> I mean, 0% success, like most of us are still single or dating, but not seriously or, you know, um, so there's a camaraderie in that too. You know, you go on with these people. I didn't meet them. What's interesting about this show is you, we met after and by met, I mean on Zoom because it was the middle of a pandemic, but we taped in these silos. I never knew any of the other people who were on the show. Whereas like in Love is Blind and The Bachelor, you meet your castmates on day one. I never met some of them to this day. I've never met them in person. And so it's an interesting concept. We were so isolated in so many ways that, you know, I think it was, it was just unique as far as reality shows go. Yeah. That does sound like a very unique experience. When we talk about in your bio, 
your polarizing portrayal. How would you describe, I mean, polarizing as a Gemini moon and Gemini rising is perfect for me because Gemini is all about duality. It's, it is polarizing. It's all about the poles. So what would you say was the polarizing portrayal for you? Well, you know, I did not identify with the person I saw on the camera and the one that was presented in the show. So I think even for me, it was polarizing to be like, who's that woman? That woman's not me. But it was the version that millions of people around the world saw. The show went viral. Obviously, it was in the middle of a pandemic. So in all 150 countries, this was trending. And it was interesting because then that became my narrative on a world stage. And it's this bizarre experience to have a narrative of you out there that you don't even identify with. Mm. And then you have to, in a way, defend yourself and say, but I'm bigger than this. Um, I will never have the voice of a global show behind me to put my voice out there. So what I had to come to terms with is that I still have to live my life on my terms with values that are aligned with me, friendships and family uh, relationships that are important to me. And I had to be outside of that portrayal. It was polarizing in so many ways, though, because it showed a woman that was stubborn and picky to some people and to some people empowered and secure and asking for what she wants in love. And uh, people had really strong opinions on it to the point where there were death threats and cyberbullying. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, people really cared, apparently. Um, so for me, it was shocking. Again, shocking. I'm sitting in Houston, Texas. I'm a full-time attorney still at this point. It's July of 2020. We're all working remotely. And all of a sudden, I'm hated. And I'm like, wait, what? What did I do? But that's reality TV. So did you know that coming into the experience that that was a possibility? I had no idea. I had no idea. This was told uh, to me that was a docu-series that would highlight the best parts of my culture. That is not what I saw. So, and, but you're a lawyer. I mean, that to me sounds like grounds for, that sounds like you could get very litigious on that personally. No, TV is TV, right? You can create things. I don't know much about the industry. I don't claim to. I'm a, I was, I'm now a former lawyer, but yeah, no, I, I think it was a surprise and I've taken with it what I can and made of it what I can. And I, right now, like I said, I'm the happiest I've ever been. So it can't have all been for bad, you know? Yeah. I'm sort of just curious about like, did you, when you started to see this portrayal of you that you didn't identify with yourself, did you like reach out to the producers and say like, what the fuck? Like, did you have a chance to, you know, did you run up the flagpole and say like, excuse me, like what's happening? Or did the production company or did the network protect you at all when these death threats and this, this hate and this vitriol was coming in? I can't really talk about a lot of that. But what I can talk about is the way that the media stood up for me. And I was really, really, really relieved. I mean, I got features in all the major outlets that one could dream about speaking their truth on from Washington Post to the New York Times to the New Yorker to Vulture to Betches. I mean, you name it, they did a feature on me and they let me speak. And I was forever grateful. So many people have so many ideas about the media, but what I met and the people I met that told my story and amplified my voice moved me beyond words. 99% of the 200 and plus journalists I spoke to were women and they were women that stood by me and stood behind me and stood for mm. me. And I will never forget that. And I'm forever indebted because one woman like me in the world in Texas didn't have that voice and it will never be a voice as big as Netflix, but it was on my terms and it was my words. And um, these journalists stood behind me and it was beautiful. It's a moment of camaraderie for all women, honestly. Every day we hear about how our morning rituals can change our entire day. 
but have you ever thought about your evening rituals? Allowing yourself to transition between your device and your mind will allow you to stop racing through your thoughts and drift off to sleep naturally. Power your day by powering off at night. And that's why I'm partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. If you go to calm.com slash Aliza, you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription and new content is added every single week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. And Calm is important to me because mental health is really a top priority. And just like we make choices around what we wear and what we eat and how we move our bodies, we need to also consider the value of our internal experience. For listeners of this show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Aliza. Go to calm.com slash Aliza for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash Aliza. So this, I, it feels like this definitely is the meat, or at least I would anticipate as some, the impetus, I should say, for your book, She's Unlikable and Other Lies That Bring Women Down. Can you tell us more about what we should expect from this? Yeah, my book is um, mostly a memoir. It's anecdotes about my own life. So many women wrote me after the show and they said, well, how did you become like this? And that was an interesting question because I had to do some digging of my own. How, how do we become the women we are in our thirties? And, you know, I'm, in my mid thirties now, what were the lessons that I learned to live this authentic life, to get on that stage, um, the world stage and say, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I believe I deserve in my partner and my life. And so the book kind of gives you my 11 rules. I don't know how it came out to 11, but it sounds (laughs) good now. My 11 rules to living life authentically and on your own terms. And that's everything from uh, when I got diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, when I lost my home in a hurricane one morning, when I woke up, I lost everything from my socks to my mattress to my childhood photos. Um, There are lessons that we learn from the good times and the bad times. And the book kind of explores those. I think I'll resonate with so many women, loss, grief, growth, perseverance, grit, resilience. It's a story of me, but it's also the story of all of us. Yeah, I love that. That sounds extremely horrifying to go through those, that natural disaster. And also that Mm -hmm. it's important for women to be sharing these types of stories and talk about tenacity and talk about resilience. And also then, you know, as women, the lack of support through those processes as well, because it's, you know, I, it's very different being a female identifying person and having to be strong and brave than it is to be a male identifying person and have to be strong and brave. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many lies that we tell women about their strength and about their ability to conquer. And and it's just like this book kind of delves into it through my own life story. Sure. It touches upon the show too, um, to a certain extent, you know, this is a big part of my life now. And so, you know, 30% of the book might be about that, but 70% is about me and, and the things that led me to this point and the things I've done since, you know, I got a few months after the show to really reflect on so many things. And I think those reflections are a big part of the book. So from the experience of the show, and obviously without giving too many spoilers on the book, because we'll have to read it, what were the things that you learned 
on the show and through that experience that you didn't have insight onto before. And it could be about you, you know, dating. It could be about sort of the choices that you make when you're stepping into new situations, really anything. I'm just genuinely curious what you learned from that experience. I think I've always relied on in moments of fight or flight for fighting and, and fighting can look in different ways for many people. 99.9% of us won't be flung onto a stage around the world where they're called a villain, but um, we will be in similar situations in our own worlds, in our own bubbles, on our own platforms, in workplaces or in homes, on WhatsApp groups and in all kinds of spaces, on playgrounds even. And so I think this is a story for me about a lesson of, of solutions oriented. What can I do to make this the best solution for me? What can I take from this to further my goals and my beliefs and my value system? It's not just about what I want from it. It's about what I can grow from it and how I can evolve from it. And that's how I took this experience. So many people are like, oh, you know, who'd you use for your PR? I'm like, I didn't hire a PR person. I told my story and I told it on my terms and I told it to anyone who would listen. And we can do that. All, all women can do that in places where they feel attacked or misunderstood or unheard. I feel like so many of us are screaming into void sometimes and what this book taught me in writing it and what the experience taught me as a whole was find your solution there's always something you can work towards that will make the situation more palatable which will make it beneficial which will make you grow and align better with yourself i love it it's so capricorn yeah so it? capricorn yeah so cap i'm a capricorn rising oh okay and so i i relate to your capricorn son you know, I haven't had to deal with the scale of crazy <laughs> that you've had to deal with. But, you know, something I do think about increasingly is, you know, as my platform continues to grow and I hope to one day have a show of my own and I'm really scared, you know, I, I'm really excited, but I'm really also petrified because astrology is, I hate it. You know, you love it or you hate it. Mm -hmm. And the hate often is male dominated, or at least it sort of has that tone. It has that violence to it. Mm -hmm. The people who call me a fraud, who call me a charlatan, who call me a pseudoscientist, who say that I'm a scammer just based on the fact that I have, I'm an astrologer, mm -hmm. feels really scary. Yeah. And, you know, whenever I leave my comfort zones, you know, my safe space of my podcast world or my safe space of my Instagram world, mm -hmm. and then, you know, I'm on another show or I, you know, guest on something that has a lot of visibility. I'm suddenly reminded of how vicious people are when they don't like something. Yeah. So do you have any advice for myself or for anyone who might be in that situation of how to cope? I know that you spoke with a lot of journalists, which is amazing that you were able to get your story out. But on just a day-to-day -day basis, how do you um, sustain and continue to find that tenacity and that courage? I keep in mind what my goals are. I mean, my goals are to grow into a career that I love, to grow into a life that I love, to grow into a lifestyle that I love. And if you're moving towards that always, then you know you're on the right track. And so if these things really 
make you afraid, then maybe you don't want what's on the other side enough. And most of the time when you sit back and reflect, you do want it and you push through um, because it is important what you're doing. It's important what all of us are doing to, to find platforms that we can speak our truth on and that we can share our, our love and passion in the world with. That's bigger than any of the things that can frighten you. And I would tell that to any woman who, or any person actually, that that has a message that they want heard. And I think what you're doing is beautiful work. It deserves to be heard on larger platforms and the things that scare you really aren't that scary. And if you sit back and reflect on that. Oh, I like that. Yeah, they're not that scary, you know. They're hurtful and I'm not going to diminish that. You know, they bring about fears and doubts in ourselves. They bring about genuine fear sometimes. Like a death threat is scary. I was shaking for days. I was scared. So how did you process that? How did you handle that? I still haven't. I was in such, like I said, fight or flight that I think it's been about a year, 15 months now. And I've started talking about it more recently, but that's 15 months later. Like it, we, we can't be expected to process right away. We should give ourselves grace um, and say, I'll get to it when I get to it. And it might be, you know, two years from now, me breaking down, sobbing about it. But yeah, I mean, process it at your own speed. There is no right or wrong. And I really do believe that for every part of our life. So many people want to tackle it right away. They want to tackle everything. It's not possible. And that's okay. What do you think the deal is with people and the death threats? I mean, this horrible news is that you are not the first or the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth person on the show to have received death threats. I have received, I wouldn't say they're formal. I've received informal, violent threats, mm. but not, a, you know, I, ha I don't know what constitutes a proper death threat, but you know, I'm sure that one day I will get it. I get, I do, I am told that I'm going to go to hell a lot, which <laughs> honestly, it's like that where else would I end up? So I'm, Hin I'm Hindu. <laughs> we don't believe in heaven and hell. So if someone told me that, I'd be like, does that mean my next life's not great? <laughs> I grew up Jewish. There's right. not really a hell. Heaven, so yeah. it's. See yeah, you there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it all like the iconography of it was always more interesting to me. Right. And I think, you know, just based on the criteria of who else I've been told is going to hell, like I would much rather be in the same environment with them. Same. It seems like hell seems like where it, like the party is. Yeah, yeah. It's got some interesting folk down there. <laughs> yeah, totally. So what do you think the deal is with people and them behaving this way? You know, I think that people have always been, you know, have uh, fans of things can skew to extremes. I mean, obviously, we've seen that with John Lennon. We saw that with Selena. Like there are, it gives me goosebumps. I mean, there's people who just are absolute nut jobs who fly off the handles, right? Mm -hmm. But on this macro scale, especially with the internet, especially with the anonymity of it, especially with like, you know, the empty threats and being able to make a fake profile and just slather mean comments all over everything. I think that the internet, you know, and the, the platforms are responsible for de-escalating that type of behavior personally. What do you think? <laughs> do you, th do you yeah. think we should call Mark Zuckerberg and talk to him? Yeah, I don't think he can do much about it. I think the depravity, depravity of human beings is um, thousands and thousands of years old since we started. There's new forms for it. There's new manifestations of it. But human beings have a lot of craziness in them. I mean, we're capable of it. And, and we see that now on the internet with these mostly 99.9% .9 time again, empty threats, but it's meant to gain power control. It's meant to feel um, a sense of um, ability that's bigger than themselves. You can see that they're keyboard warriors at the end of the day. 
So I dismiss it when I'm rationally thinking about it as the human condition and move on. My life is bigger than that. And I can't be stuck in the philosophical conversation on a day-to-day basis of, of why people do the things they do. Why do people hurt animals or children? Like, you know what I mean? Like the least of my worries is, you know, when I think on that scale is why do people sit behind a keyboard and try to feel powerful by hurting someone that they've never met through, through words. Um, So I think it's just the human condition and we're seeing it in different new ways and that's really unsettling, but I don't think that we can pin that on Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook or Instagram or any platform. Um, We can pin it on humanity and the things that those people aren't getting as children or as adults, the connection that they're maybe not feeling or the, maybe the mental health that they're not receiving. But um, yeah, I think it's just, it will continue as long as it's continued before us um, and it'll continue on after us. Honestly, I've never even written a Yelp review. So like, I don't even know, like I've been to places, I've had the worst experience. There have been like rats running up the walls. My food has fucking like insects in it. And I'm like, wow. I'm never going to come back here. <laughs> <laughs> like though I have no motivation. I have no interest in like, like, but that's because your life is bigger than that. Yeah, it is. You have your power to gain elsewhere, you know, and some people just don't have something bigger to focus on and to grow towards. And so they waste their time and their energy on, on these petty, weird things. Well, that I, I like that perspective a lot because one, again, it's very Capricorn, very macro, very large. And then two, it's, it sounds like that is also the work that you're trying to do is inspire people to tell their truth. I just, my book that just came out is you know, the word veracity is thrown around nonstop. It's just, you know, the truth telling is everything. It is, you know, the bravery to actually say how you really feel is everything. Mm-hmm. And when we're in a fight or flight, which you were just in last year, mm-hmm. it's, you know, sometimes we're not even safe enough to do that. Exactly. So the fact that you were able to still find ways to communicate your veracity and to share that when you were in such a vulnerable state is tremendously courageous, tremendously, tremendously courageous. Thank you. I think about it though, you know, many people go on reality shows in their twenties, who would I have been 10 years ago to deal with this situation? Like I was blessed in a way to be 34 when I did this show. And, um, at 24, I wouldn't have been able to handle it the same way, even at 29. So my years gave me something and my life experience, um, gave me so much perspective that I still wish there were things I did differently and, and hurt that I didn't have to feel and all those things. But I don't know. I think age and wisdom gave me a lot of push in, in the way that I handle the situation and the way I continue to handle it. It doesn't end. It's, it's a lifetime sentence in a way. Mm-hmm. But you, you say that you've never been happier. In my personal life and the way that I'm doing things. But yeah, you know, like I was at Trader Joe's the other day and I was picking bananas and someone wanted to take a photo with me. And I was like, well, I just kind of wanted to pick my bananas on a Sunday night and go home. Like there are parts I don't love sometimes. Of course, I love connecting with viewers, but I also am actually quite a private person. You know, we tape these shows in a vacuum where we don't realize what that means. But I'll be crossing the street and someone will scream my name and I'll be like, oh, it's a friend. No, it's just someone who watched the show. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's startling. There's so many things that are startling. You know, I, I don't think I'll ever get used to them. But it's it's something that happened we have to accept it all all of it could you imagine doing another show 
Yeah, definitely. I think this time I'm so much more prepared. Anything that anybody hurled at me, I would laugh at, at this point. Like the first time is always the worst for everything that we do in life. And that's another thing. Once you get through it, you can do it again and again. Um, you'll do it differently and, and you'll still have bad times to it. I'm not going to gloss it over and say, oh, I'm going to be a hero next time and handle everything that comes my way with ease. No, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. It's going to be ugly, but a different kind of ugly. And my baseline is going to be a lot higher. My threshold for pain is a lot higher. So I would, I would still be human in it, but it would come from a different starting point. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom with us. Of course. Uh, it's, it's so your honesty and transparency is so deeply appreciated. And it's really the stars like us way. Okay. So now I have two questions for you. Okay. The first is what do you believe in? I believe that the universe is always giving us messages to live our best lives. And it's up to us to recognize them and act on them or to ignore them and figure out the consequences of it. Ooh, I love the, I con the consequences was when you got the Saturn Capricorn-y stuff in there. I love it. Yes. Love to see it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Question number two, how does magic show up in your life? Every day in every little way. I honestly think it's everywhere. And now that I'm really looking for it, it's what I call those messages that I just talked about. It's, it's magic. It's all magic that we have this gut and this intuition that for so many years we probably ignored because society kind of pushes us to do that. But once we tune into it, I think we're limitless. I really do. And I want everyone to, to be on their journey of limitless. I love that. And I totally agree. And I do think that it's much safer to have the agency of intuition is the biggest threat to society <laughs> in a lot of ways. I mean, especially the patriarchy, right? Yes. Because it's the biggest threat to the systems of power. Exactly. And this is obviously, you know, so much of why the concept of witches has been so threatening to the puritanical religions is because it's empowered women. Yeah. It's women who think for themselves. It's women who defend their own possessions. It's women who advocate for their needs and who have the ability to make spells and exactly. say fuck off. Yeah. They've tapped into their psychic intuitiveness, which we all have. It's just that they've tapped in and that scares people who are very removed from it. Absolutely. Yes. I think that a big part of the reason that men don't like astrology by and large, obviously a huge generalization, but right. After doing this for as many years as I have, I'd say it's a fair, broad generalization uh, is because they can't mansplain it. Mm -hmm. And that feels really threatening and intimidating. So they instead mansplain how it isn't real because they can't understand the ways that it is. Wow. So you're so true, though. There are so many things that they're taught, though, at such a young age that kind of make them like as boys that get them to that place, though, that it's almost like society that has a huge role in that you know, be strong, yeah. don't cry, stand up, like, don't listen to that hocus pocus, don't like tap into your feelings, don't like think about that. And they're taught that by the age of two or three. And then we kind of wonder why at 25, they're like, I don't believe in astrology, or I can't tap into that part of myself, or anyone who does is full of mumbo jumbo. I mean, we did that in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so I would love to pick a tarot card for you. Love However, it. the way that my deck works is that it's not going to give us a good message if it's just general. So it needs to be a question. So you need the more specific, the better. And I can help you sort of massage it if you need it. But the, with a question, I will pull a card. Okay. So I'm still looking for love. So let's talk about that. Will I find love in my new home of New York? Oh, too, too big. Let's be more specific. But I love that. 
I'm, I mean, I'm going to say you're still looking for love. So you want to find love. You, yes. So you will. Of course you will. I think that the question more is how. How? And maybe, you know, if we can get a message or a sign or something yes. to consider in your pursuit of romance. I love that. Does that sound good? Yes, that sounds perfect. Okay. So what is something to consider, to focus on, to hold with us as we in our pursuit of love and romance and relationships. Okay. Would you like me to work with pile one, pile two, or pile three? Pile three. Excellent choice. We love a pile three. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is a symbol, sign, something to work with in this pursuit of romance? Okay. This is a big card. I get that card all the time. Are you serious? I get that card constantly. I have reading, I've had like two readings this year and that one comes up all the time. It came up with the Wheel of Fortune card once and then it came with the um, Ten of Cups once. Well, maybe you know that this card doesn't fuck around. I wouldn't pull this casually. Yeah, it's a Grand Arcana card. It is. And it's one of the most sort of heavy duty cards of the entire deck. Mm -hmm. So this card, I actually haven't seen this card in a long time because it doesn't come around that often. There aren't a lot of tower moments around. However, this is a tower moment. So, I mean, something needs to radically change. And, you know, I hate to say that to you because it already sounds like you've already had (laughs) in the past year and a half enough radical change, you know, but the thing with this card that is the most important piece of it to me symbolically is that, so this, obviously this tower got struck by lightning. So sad, but look at where it was built. It was built on the fucking peak of a mountain. What a dumb place to build a tower. This was never going to last. This was always going to fall apart. There, it was only a matter of time before a big storm came and this tower just, you know, was destroyed. So where in particular I would say to focus this is if something is not built in a steady, sturdy way, then it is going to collapse. And perhaps there is an infrastructure that you have in your reality. Usually this is more like practical circumstances than emotional. When we get the death card, it will be more of your psyche. This is more of like your logistics, your day-to-day, the way that you're functioning, the way that you're in the world. Something is needs to be dismantled in order for a relationship to come in. It could also mean that somebody who is coming in will be part of that dismantling process. So either way, it is something outside of what you are working with today. It is something cataclysmically different than any of the infrastructure that you have at the moment, because either the infrastructure needs to be destroyed before you meet the person, or it needs to be destroyed alongside the person, if that makes sense. I believe it. I believe it a hundred percent. And that card just keeps coming up this year. So that's crazy because it, when, you know, this card, when this comes up, it's like, to me, it's like, okay, well, here we go. Roll up the sleeve. Well, it came up in my, someone did a past, present, future reading for me. And it came up as my past and my present came as the wheel of fortune. And then my future came off as I think that, that cops one or the one, the cups one that where you ride off into the sunset, all happy with someone. Beautiful. 
And I was like, okay, but let's just keep dismantling. Because honestly, that's gotten me this far and one would be scared of it. But for me, it's actually changed my whole life. And every time I dismantle it, it creates a change that I needed. Maybe I didn't know I wanted it, but I needed it. So Mm -hmm. I'm open. Uh, Yes, as open as possible, I would say is probably the name of the game with this. And then also as actively like, let me change things, you know, really continuing to take big risks. I, it's like part of me is like, no, how could you still be in a tower moment? You've already been in a tower moment, but this card wouldn't have come up if it didn't need to. I know. I believe that. And it's interesting because it, it, it always comes up in my past, but it's never come up in my future or my present. So, so maybe it's integrating that. Yeah. Maybe I'm at the cusp of both. Yeah. And maybe it's taking all of the things, maybe it's the past tower and it's really starting to metabolize it. I mean, you had just said that you're just starting to really unpack some of these things that have happened. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that unpacking process. Yeah. We'll find out, won't we? (laughs) Keep me posted. Keep all of us posted. And in the meantime, where can we find you and connect with you and get your book and continue to support your work? Thank you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Aparna Shewakramani. It's a long name, but you'll find me and not that many Aparnas pop up. Like a lot of my platform is about the journey that I'm on. And I love sharing that with my followers and my community. I, I think I'm very transparent and honest that there are hard times and I'm really there for celebrating all the good times too. You love a Capricorn Gemini queen. You're the best. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.